All right, let's, let's go to the scriptures tonight. Um, I think it was a year and a half ago or so, I started a series on the book of Revelation. And I preached through the book of Revelation several times, preached through it here, I think, twice in, at Lehigh when I was pastor. And um, I saw something in Revelation from a perspective, a direction that I'd not seen before. And part of it, and this is the interesting thing, when you're going through things, when world conditions are right, it causes you to look at Scripture from one way or another, and you see things that were, were in the Scriptures all the while, but you overlooked them because your perspective wasn't quite right. And here we are this morning, well, last night, I think, I saw the news where Israel has been attacked. And we've got now, I think, 600 dead was the last that I saw. The missiles that were fired, I I don't know how many, I think it was over 40 that were fired. Their goal was to get the Iron Dome to drop and they could kill more people. They've got uh, several hundred hostages now, Uh, Hamas does. Hamas is basically a terrorist organization that that operates underground. and, And then the news media this morning was playing up the issue saying... Uh, there is no evidence that anybody else is going to be involved. It's only Hamas. And, and I got an email from a friend of mine that I know over there in northern uh, Israel. And she said Hezbollah is already dropping rockets and bombs are coming our way. And the news media is lying about it and saying nothing's going on. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of the news media for you. You just can't trust the news. It doesn't matter whether it's American or any other. They'll hide these kind of things. And she said, we're we're very concerned. Um, And one of the biggest concerns was that the Israeli intelligence does not seem to have known about all of this. Now, I put emphasis on seem to because I wonder sometimes if they know more things than they really tell you. And I guess if they're an intelligence agency, you would expect them to know a few more things than they tell you. But uh, as we look at that, we see all of this turmoil going on. And and we look at the Bible, we know that Israel is the apple of God's eye. We know that that nation is going to be in the last days, going to be the center of God's activity on planet Earth. We know that there is going to be all kinds of battles and, and things that have to be yet rearranged in this world in order to prepare for those last days. Now, a lot of that rearrangement's already taken place. And there's a little more yet to be done, one of them being, in my opinion, America has to be taken out somehow. We've got to dis- not disappear, I wouldn't say, but we've got to become a non-entity in world affairs. And if you watch what's going on, um, we are headed there very fast as a country. And our country is, is backing away from all kinds of international things. And some of that is good because everything America does overseas isn't always great. Um, sometimes we cause more trouble than we, we stop. But <clears throat> we'll see what ends up coming out of all this. But you can't look at what's going on if you have any concern and any awareness of our world and not be concerned. Now our attention is on the Middle East. And Putin's over there clapping his hands saying, they finally are not looking at me. This benefits him. Hezbollah is involved. 
And all of this has to do with trying to stop the the peace accord with Saudi Arabia and Israel from taking place. That's all in play with this. But it has to do with Iran as well, who our country has now armed again. And we've got Iran in the background. I know our news commentators are saying Iran's not involved. Um, Time will tell. I have my opinion. You probably can't guess what it is. But um, obviously... There's, there are world powers involved. This is not just a little Hamas operation over here, and all of a sudden they figured out how to get themselves all these missiles and cause all this to happen and Hezbollah to come and do... I mean, this didn't just happen overnight. This has been very well planned. There are world powers at work, turmoil in nations. South Africa today, where we live has never been in this much turmoil. Right now, what we're watching happen is is grassroots crime like nobody's business. We've gotten to the place, my wife, I don't allow her to go out to the store by herself. I've got to go with her everywhere. Now, it doesn't mean she's safe. just means two of us will get (laughs) knocked off, I guess, but... If if nothing else, I can get away and say, well, last time I saw her, this is where they had her, okay? So, but I I mean, we constantly, every week there's murders in our area. I mean, murders in our area. Senseless things. And where I used to walk every day, I used to take a 5K walk, usually about four to five days a week, and and I'd walk through Center City and talk to people and homeless or whoever was there and people on the streets. And I can't do that anymore. I can't even go down there to shop without being especially careful and watchful. And it's best if I have more than just me with me for safety's sake down there. People are murdered, just gutted and left in the gutter dead all the time. And this is not in a, this is not in Johannesburg or Cape Town. This is, this is Poliquani. Now, Poliquani's gotten big, but, but Poliquani is not big enough to have this kind of violence and crime. And I'm not about to tell you about the things that have happened there. It's, it's sickening what's taking place. That kind of turmoil is not just South Africa. It's spilling over into other countries. It's happening in Europe. It's happening in in some of Asia, it's happening around our world. And you can't look at this world and see the news. Well, I mean, maybe you discount the news. Maybe you do what a lot of people do and say, I won't even look at the news. Okay, that might be wise. But if you look at what's going on, if you have your fingers on the pulse of this world, this world is in a mess. So how should we look at it? And it dawned on me, when we go to the book of Revelation, what do we go to it for? Well, I want to see what's going to happen, right? Well, let me just open your your thoughts to something a little different. (laughs) Revelation chapter 1, verse number 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it 
by his angel unto his servant, John. Lord, I pray you'd meet with us this evening in our few moments tonight that you'd rearrange our our vision, the way we look at things. Reset it for us. As God's people, and Lord, I, I suspect that most of the folks that are here tonight are saved. Our vision, the way we look at the world, should be drastically different than the rest of the world. We shouldn't be following the news and letting them tell us what to think. We ought to be making the news. We ought, to be, we ought to be ahead of the news. We ought to be looking for those opportune moments and times and recognize what you're up to and take advantage of those opportunities to get the gospel out. And Lord, I pray tonight that as you rearrange our thinking, you'd get us out of fear mode, out of reaction mode, out of, out of trying to find a way to just shelter down and hunker down and get away from it all, and let us hazard our lives for the sake of Christ. Let us be witnesses, witnesses that would carry the gospel far and wide and burn the light bright. Whatever days we may have left, Lord, make them count. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. A striking statement here in verse 1. The revelation of things to come. Is that what your Bible says? What? What are you reading? What Bible? Huh? Oh, you got the King James. Oh, that must be my problem. Look at this. The King James says, yeah, you better stay in the right book. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Why is it that when we come to the book of Revelation, we come to this book with the attitude, oh, let me figure out what's going to happen next. How bad is it going to get? What's going to take place? What kind, of, what kind of judgments are falling on the earth? And how long is it going to take? And now I'm, not, I'm not saying that some of those things are not here. That is not the emphasis of the book. Good. That's good. The emphasis is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation. The word revelation, interesting. The word apocalypse comes to mind. When you think of apocalypse, what do you think of? Doom and gloom. It's not what the word means. The word means unveiling. It means to pull the curtains back for full view. And this is pull the curtains full for full view of what? Of Jesus Christ. To see the Lord, to see Jesus in His glory. Here we are in our world all busy with all the problems and you've got your personal problems and they are enough to keep you occupied. Some of you get your eyes up and you begin to look around the world and you see how bad that really is and you kind of feel like you want to just bury your head back in your own problems and leave it there. 
But as you look around, you say, oh, our world's in trouble. What's the answer there? And we can sit back, we can complain, we can, we can uh, criticize the government or the politicians that are out there making the mess out of this world. All we want, we're never going to change it. We're never going to, I'm never going to, you're never going to change it. Your opinions aren't, when was the last time you got a call from your president, any president, and he said, I need advice? When was the last time the governor called you? Okay, all right, let's kind of go. When was the last time the mayor called you? Ah, there might be one or two people here got a call from the mayor. Probably wanted you to come and pay your bills, but... <laughs> the people running things aren't going to call me. They aren't going to ask me. I could probably give them some better advice than they've been getting looking at how things are running. But what I need... What I need is not a better view of the problems. What I need is a better view of Jesus. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. Which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. Who are the servants in this case? The preachers. God's people, those that serve Jesus. I don't know, are you a servant of Jesus? Do you belong to Him? Okay. To show unto His servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And He sent and signified it by His angel unto His servant John. I've, I've toyed with this verse for years. And it's, it's interesting how in Scripture you'll read, you'll read, and you say, I'm puzzled by this. I don't have the answer. I don't understand it all. There's got to be more in this, in this than what I'm grasping right now. And just kind of set it back on the shelf and read it later and set it on the shelf and read it later and set it on the shelf. I remember young preacher... First full-time church I ever pastored, Billings, Missouri, many years ago. I had an old preacher in the church. And he was 82 years old. And I'd go over and fellowship with him from time to time and listen to him. And I'm just getting started. He's been around forever. And 82, I thought, was really ancient. It's getting to be kind of young to me now as I look at it. Not near as old as it used to be. So... And he used to take his pet rabbit. He'd have it on a, on a leash. And he'd walk with a walker and his pet rabbit. I'm walking a little fast for him. But that's how he walked. So I took a walk with him that day. And I said to him, I said, Brother, oh, man, I almost called his name. Anyway, I'll think of it eventually. I said, Brother... You know, you've been a Christian all these years. You've been, you've been a preacher all these years. I realize you're retired now, but tell me, what do you think of the Bible now? And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, the Bible is more full to me now than it was when I started I read it every day, and God speaks to me. 
And I thought, 82 years old, how can that be? Surely you've got it mastered by now. And I'm here to tell you, I haven't hit 82 yet. may look like it, but I haven't hit it yet. But I'm getting close. And I find this book more rich every day than it ever was before. And truths like this begin to pop out. And I say, I looked at this over and over and over again and always wondered, revelation of Jesus, revelation of Jesus. Yeah, chapter 1 tells you some about Jesus. But what are you talking about here? There's more than what I'm grasping. And here's what I found. In the book of Revelation, there are seven cycles, circles, revolutions. Two views to each cycle. Seven cycles, two views to each cycle. Seven's an interesting number. I'm not going to go there and spend any time on it, but seven's an interesting number in the Bible. And it starts with chapter 1 and verse number 1, and then it goes to verse 2. He's talking about giving this vision to John. John, who bear record of the Word of God, of the testimony of Jesus. Then he goes down to verse 4, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. Then he drops down here, and he, he, he's talking about John. And then drop down to verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. We see an earthly view. And here's John the Apostle who has been around forever by this time. He's, he's somewhere headed up towards a hundred years. He's not a hundred yet, but he's, he's going to end up near a hundred years old. This guy's going to get old. And, and he's an old man and he's been taken to the Isle of Patmos, which is an island for criminals. He's put on the Isle of Patmos and according to historical documents, he's dropped into a pot of oil boiling. He has boils and blisters all over his body. Many people die from this. He lives through it. And he lives to preach another day. And we look at a situation, if you heard about that happening to me, I hope you would be concerned at least. I hope it would bother you. Oh, Brother Hammond, he's been boiled in oil. We hear about other missionaries. We hear about Christians around the world suffering for their faith. And it bothers us. But, 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 that's the first half of the cycle. That's the earthly view. In verse number 12, look what happens. It says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. While all of this is going on on the Isle of Patmos, earthly view, his eyes are lifted up to a heavenly view. Jesus, 
walking among the seven golden candlesticks that represent the seven churches that he's getting ready to send this letter to. Now, imagine what God is trying to do for a moment. He's trying to tell you the first view that you're going to get in this world is always going to be you see what's happening down here and you start complaining. Why is it like this? Why does that have to happen? Oh, no, look what they're doing. Look who's in charge. It'll never be made right. That's how we feel. But God says if you're one of God's people, you need to get your eyes adjusted up. Reset them. Who is in the heavens? Who is in control? Who is it that walks among the churches? He sees it all. He's in control of it all. This book is about getting your vision reset. It's about seeing heaven instead of earth. He drops back in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now we're at the second cycle and he drops back to planet earth. Seven letters, seven literal churches existed in the days of John the Apostle. These churches have problems. Not all of them, but most of them. And as you look at them, you say, oh my soul, what is wrong? How could they have left their first love? How could they have left it and this other church let Jezebel become a teacher and so influential? You look around our world today and you say, as you look at our churches, and I'll be the first to admit this is me at times, I look at the churches in America especially and I say, what on earth are people even thinking? But go back to chapter 4. Get your eyes adjusted again. And in chapter number 4, we see it here. It says, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee the things which must be hereafter. We go from this earthly view looking at the churches that they've all got their problems and and most of them have something God's even pleased with. Thank God for that. But they get rebukes. They get corrections. And we think, there's no hope. As you get older, I talk to older preachers, the ones that are still left, and uh, as I talk to them, they're all lamenting the same thing. Where are we going? Where are our churches going to be? Most of the churches around, and when I say most, that's maybe an exaggeration. I don't think so, but maybe. We look, we look around, we see so many churches today filled with old folks and no young folks. I mentioned that a little this morning. We got pastors that are dying, pastors that are too sick to pastor anymore and preach, and they've gone off the scene. And we've got a lot of pulpits that are empty in America. People say, what are we going to do? Where are the young preachers? Let me tell you, there aren't many. You online, you watch the young preachers that are interacting on social media and read what they're saying. They're not preachers. I'm not sure most of them are even Christians a lot of times. 
And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just telling you, when you read the trash that they say and the things they believe in and the questions that they ask because they don't know the answer, simple things. You ask, how in the world are churches ever going to have pastors? Our country's in trouble. But lift up your eyes. Jesus hasn't abandoned everything. There's a day coming when He will unveil the skies and He will shout, come up hither. That rapture is on the way for God's people. Watch what else happens in chapter 4. He goes on to talk about it. He talks about here, and immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he sat... He that sat was to look upon as a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And around that that throne there were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Oh, I can go on. They're worshiping. They're worshiping in heaven the king of kings. My friend, while things are a mess on earth, heaven is not troubled at all. You don't see the, the 24 elders. You don't see the people in heaven biting their fingernails and saying, God, oh God, please, what will we do? Where are we going? <laughs> no. They're up there giving glory to God. Reset your vision. Get your eye, yes, to look up takes, takes an effort. Reset your vision. Then in chapter number six, we come back to planet earth. This is, this is the, the third cycle. Verse number one, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder and the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. People wrongly interpret this often. Oh, look, Jesus is coming. That's not Jesus. When he comes back, he'll have a sword, the word of God coming out of his mouth. A bow? What's a bow? A bow without arrows? What is it? Oh, a promise of peace. Let me be your leader. Let me be the one that, that leads you into utopia in America. Oh, our world, and in the world, and our world is going this way. It's looking for some leader somewhere who can promise that peace and prosperity, the economy will be good, everybody will be happy, and I can do it for you. Just give me the power. We are ripe. We are ripe in America. We're ripe in the world for this. Pay attention to who you follow. This Antichrist will come like Christ. He will offer peace to the world, and the world will foolishly fall in behind him to follow. God's people that are on this earth during that time, yes, there will be people who get saved after the rapture. And they will be saved for a short while, but long enough to read their Bible and be wise enough to know 
That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. And these judgments, these sealed judgments, seven of them, one after another, like the breaking of a seal on a, on a scroll, as each one is broken, more judgments fall upon the earth. And with each one you read and you say, oh my, look how bad it's going to be. You're right, it's going to be that way. It really is. But look. Chapter 7, verse number 9. After this. Oh, did I miss it? I think I missed one here. Let's see. No, 7, verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the throne. Where are they at? Heaven. Get your eyes reset. We've looked at the earth. We've seen those, those sealed judgments. But now get your eyes set up again because, yes, God's pouring out judgment on this earth. It's coming. This world deserves it. People say, oh, God have mercy on us. Well, mercy is the only thing we have to hope for because the judgment of God is what we deserve. It's what we deserve. But oh, thank God, He is a God of mercy. And in heaven, God is in control. And watch what happens in that heaven. 144,000 around the throne. Now look what He does. He says here, which no man could number of all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues and stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. This is not, this is not a God who's only a God of the Jews. All nations, all kindreds. Why would I work in Africa? I'll tell you why. Because they are part of the all nations and all kindreds. Thank God somebody came after me. I'm part of the all nations and all kindreds. I'm not a Jew. I'm not Israel. I'm a Gentile. Just like the people in Africa are Gentiles, most of them. We actually have some black Jews in Africa. I've got one living in my, in my neighborhood where I live and talk to him from time to time. It's an amazing thing when you begin to find out the, the genealogy of some of these people. And these people are going to be around the throne praising the Lamb. And they're clothed in white robes, saved, born again people. Get your eyes up. This is where God is going. You're busy trying to, to collect your money and prepare yourself for, for retirement. Retirement? Friend, it's all going to burn up ultimately. And I wouldn't be shocked if in our economy it all just burns up even while we're still walking around here saying, I'm socking away for my 401k. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying don't get ready. Okay, go ahead and try some of that. But why don't you lay up true treasures? Treasures in heaven. Go after the souls of men and women. Prepare them for eternity. Help them get around the throne and praise the Lamb. And one day when you go to heaven, Luke 16, you'll have those 
friends that will welcome you into heaven that you reached with that mammon of unrighteousness. Wow. Well, I'd like to stop and preach there. Chapter 8, verse number 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Seven trumpets, each trumpet with a judgment attached to it. We're back to earth again. And here are the judgments of God. These are the parts that everybody wants to study. I don't know. I say I don't know why. I do know why. I did the same thing when I first got saved. I spent all my time studying all the judgments. And somehow I missed so much of what's going on in heaven during this time. I missed what God was trying to say. Yes, judgments are coming. Yes, these things are going to happen. Yes, it's going to be a time. I don't want to be here. Thank God I won't be here. The rapture's taken me out before then. But that doesn't mean I won't see some really tremendous persecution in my lifetime. I don't relish that. I don't want that. I don't desire that. I'm not asking God to put me in that. But if He does, I pray I will have the grace of God and will access it to stand strong for Jesus. But it'll only happen if I get my eyes lifted up Because if I'm looking at what's going on down here, I would have run long ago. If I was looking at what's going on down here, I would have left South Africa long ago. If I was looking at what's going on down here, I'm not too sure I'd stay in America. I think I'd be looking for another country even to kind of get out to. I'm just being honest with you. This is not the country I grew up in. It's changing fast. But watch. We move over here to chapter 11 now. And here it is on, in 11 verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices. Where? In heaven. There it is again. Get your eyes. There's voices in heaven. What's going on in heaven while all these judgments are falling? Here we go. The kingdom of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And the four and the twenty elders, when they heard this, they, they sat before God on their seats, they fell upon their faces and worshiped God. They don't fall on their faces and say, why all the judgments? Why is it so? No, they worship Almighty God. Get your eyes up. Get your eyes off of this world and onto the heavenly scene. Chapter number 12 and verse number 1. And there appeared a great wonder in the heavens, a woman clothed with a, with a sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having the seven heads and the ten horns and the seven crowns upon his head and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth and the dragon. I mean, we can just go on and this is what's going to be happening on the earth. All of a sudden, this, this demonic Judgment is falling upon the earth like never before. And people look at this and they say, oh no, look how bad it's going. You're right, it's going to be. But don't leave your eyes there. 
Lift your eyes up. Reset your vision. Go over, if you will, to chapter 14 and verse number 1. It says there, and I looked, and I looked. If you don't look, you'll miss it. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, harping with their harps. And they sang, they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These people are in heaven. Redeemed people. Friend, there's, there's two views. You can take the earthly view. You can take the heavenly view. The next one, I'll give you real quick, chapter 14, verse 6. We read, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and every nation and kindred and tongue. And See, God's still busy giving the gospel to people on this earth, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. You think it's been bad before? It's worse now. We're back to this earth. But go to chapter 19. Adjust your eyes again. And I saw after those things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. Where are we at? Back to heaven. Saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of His servants at her hand. And what do they say? Hallelujah. And her smoke rises up forever and ever. The judgment rises up, but what do they say in heaven? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And one last one. Chapter 19, verse 17. We come back to earth, and I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bound, both small. This is, this is a horrible thought, but it's coming. This is, better than, this is better than the newspaper today. This is better than reading the newspaper for tomorrow because, you know, they won't publish the truth tomorrow either. This is the truth. This is what's going to happen. This world is going to see a judgment like never before. But it doesn't end here. It goes on over to chapter 21 and 22 where God makes a new heaven and a new earth. Now here's the point, okay? Here's the point. give you three lessons real fast in just a second. Start with the earth, get your eyes up. Start with the earth, get your eyes up. Start with the earth, get your eyes up. Seven times, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's almost as if God is saying, you people have a problem. You look down too much. Have you ever noticed how easy it is? I mean, I'm walking along, where am I looking? I'm looking down, I don't see things around me. 
We need to get our eyes up. We need to, and, and it, takes some, it takes some work to do this. So lesson one, adjust your view. Get your eyes up. See what God is doing. Next time you read the news, don't just listen to the commentators. They're common taters. <laughs> they don't have a clue. Come on. Get in the book and hear what God has to say about what He is up to. Amen. Pay attention. Something great is happening. God is on the march right now. Get your eyes up. Number two, it's all about Jesus. Here's something, a quest this sent me on. As I began to notice this in Revelation, and I got excited about it, and, and all of a sudden I began to say, you know what? I'm not too sure that much of my Christian life I haven't missed what God wanted to teach me. Because I'm so busy looking down here, I'm not seeing Him up there. And I begin to ask myself three things about God. When I look at a passage, when I'm dealing with a situation, when I'm talking to people, I'm asking myself, is there anything here I can learn about God? About His person, His character, His attributes. How does this play here? What is God really up to? What is He revealing about His person? Is there a promise that I should be laying hold of in this situation? Is there a promise in this verse? Is there a promise that I could give to this person to help them? Is there a promise that God has made? Because God's word is better than, than a receipt from the bank saying, here's your money. And number three, what do I learn about God's paths? What do I see God doing? How does God do this? And as I began to notice the path of God, how God goes about working with people, how God works in situations, I can learn it through Scripture. I can, I can then notice it in, in the lives of individuals, in my own life. I can notice it in others. And when I begin to pick up that pattern, His path, this is how God often does things. And I'm talking to somebody and they're saying, well, here's what's happening to me. I can say, let me show you. God's path in Scripture in similar situations. Let me show you how God has worked in my life in similar situations. Let me show you how God has worked in other people's lives in similar situations. Maybe you should take heart right now that this is how God works with His people. I sat with my son and daughter-in-law and I said to them, this with Neil is not something any of us would have chosen. They certainly would not have chosen but I said, son, do you realize that God never uses a man that he does not break? And any man that God is going to use greatly, he will bring him through great sorrow and difficulty. You are getting a front row seat to an education that only God can give you. Whether you learn or not is your choice. And I thank God for how they both are responding through all of this. Better than, <laughs> better than I would have, no doubt. But as I looked at it and I first heard it, of course I didn't like the news that I got, but I said, 
as I began to think on this, okay, God, what, what are you up to here? What is your path? This is how God deals with his people. And I got excited. I remember the night, it was in the middle of the night that this thought began to really dawn on me. And I got excited to think, God's preparing Samuel for something very special. As much as I wish the problems could be gone, (laughs) this is priceless. And friend, next time you fall into trouble, next time you you seem to think trouble springs upon you and and you, you begin to complain, stop and remember, God's up to something. If you belong, now, if you don't belong to Him, God's probably up to trying to get your attention, so yes. you'll turn to Him. Right. But certainly as a Christian, there's no, no problem big enough that it can overcome God's will for your life. God's will for your life may not be your choice, and therefore your choice wouldn't be the good part for you. If you insist on it, God might just give it to you and send leanness to your soul. But if you'll back off and say, God, you're God, you're Lord. Do with me what you want and I will, I will try to keep my heart in a place where you have access to it. You'll find God working in you and through you in ways you never could have imagined and the adversity will turn into a blessing. And last of all, judgment always comes before Jesus. That's what you see in this book, these cycles. Earthly view, look at the mess. Heavenly view, look at the worship. And when you see all the mess on this earth and then you recognize the rapture that's about to come, Jesus isn't coming. Until the mess comes. You can't get a view of Jesus in each of these cycles. You don't get a view of heaven. You don't get a view of of God and what He's up to until you first see the mess and you, you force your eyes up to look to Him. And all of a sudden, what's down here is of little consequence. You're going to have problems in this world. The false gospel of our world, the false gospel of South Africa right now, being preached all through Southern Africa where we work, real simple. Come to, come to our church and all your problems will go away. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. In fact, if you come to Jesus, you might just have more problems than you've ever had before. But if you'll dare to get your eyes Lift it up. Dare I say, okay, we as Baptists don't dance. All right. We haven't danced ever since John the Baptist lost his head at a dance. We gave up dancing back then. But, <laughs> but you get your eyes up, you might just find yourself dancing a little bit at what God's getting ready to do in your life as you trust Him, as you love Him, as you follow Him, as you let Him Do His perfect work in your heart. That's the place of victory. That's the place of peace. That's the place of joy. 